TTB Music Podcast In a tiny little room with <laughs> the very little studios. with very little air. At least we're joined by a fan for this podcast. Woo! Say Woo! hello, fan. No, it's an actual yeah. fan. <clears throat> anyway, this might be a short podcast <laughs> as we race through uh, our six albums of this oh. month, which are Casey Musgraves' Pageant Material, Faith No More, Sol Invictus, Giorgio Moroder, Deja Vu, Kendrick Lamar to Pimper Butterfly, Florence the Machine, How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful, and Summer Camp's Bad Love. Uh, interestingly, in this list, uh, we have two artists that featured in our top five of 2013 albums-wise, Casey Musgraves and Summer Camp. So let's oh. see how they fare this time around. Marvellous. So, Pete, let's start off with Oof. the fifth studio album, stroke, second major studio album from Ms. Musgraves, uh, whose first album we liked a lot. Just uh, the second album, Keep the Lover Going. Yes. Moving on. Okay, yes, you can expand a little bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so what's different this time around, folks? Well, gone perhaps is some of that um, uh, popability of, of the first album. The, the sort of, they're still there, yeah. but the, the sort of very identifiable um, classics of the future. Um, it's been swept aside this album is much more inward looking it's, 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 got, it's got a more of a retrospective feel to it throughout uh, whereas, whereas the first album was very much about getting away from it all and, and, and escape and then perhaps finding sometimes you escape to great things sometimes you escape to the, the same old humdrum but somewhere else this album was very much about coming home it had a yeah. real homecoming feel to it um, whether that was actual home or whether it was returning to a to a peace of mind having found solace or happiness um, so it, it, it was a, it, and, and on top of all that it was a great Casey, Casey Musgrave album it you know, had all the things that we liked about the first album um, and if I'm nitpicking I really am nitpicking by the way yeah. if I'm nitpicking it perhaps just didn't have some of that sort of tempo and, and catchability that the first album had yeah, it definitely seems to be a slightly slower tempoed record than the, the first one overall. But uh, but I agree, I don't think it disappoints at all. It's, it kind of takes uh, that first record, uh, or th- or fourth record, depending yeah. on your counting things, um, and builds on it ever yeah. so slightly, not yeah. hugely. It basically keeps the essence of what made the, that first album exactly. such, a, such a joy. Um I don't know, you say there's kind of simplicity to much of this record that almost kind of belies the skill of what I think she's doing. Absolutely, yeah. You know, 
Um, so it's a record that can sound lightweight and disposable in some ways, but at the same time is one which I think, um, when you listen to it more, it has surprising depth and I think will actually have some staying power. Uh, obviously she's worked with the same people as she worked with last time around, so uh, is it Luke Laird who produced the first album. Mm. This time I think it's co-produced with him, uh, Shane McAnally and... Uh, well, they produced it, but also Brandy Clark's back in helping yeah. co-write a few songs as well. Um, some lovely pedal steel on the guitar, guitar on the album, which I really, really like. Um, and again, some great lyrics again, like we had last last time around. Um, pretty like things like pageant material, which is says, uh, I, I don't care about world peace, but I don't see how I yeah. can fix that in a swing suit on the stage, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Although apparently she did do some pageants when she was really, really, really young. Yeah. Um, she, I, I think she references that. I think, I yeah. think some, of, some of some of the the songs do feel more personal on this album. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good album, and a lot of the tracks grow on me. I mean, my current faves are probably This Town, um, Dime Store Cowgirl, Pageant Material, uh, Miserable, which I'm really getting into. Been getting into the last the last couple of listens. Uh, so overall, I think it's a pretty good record. Yeah. And a couple of references to the UK fan base as well. Indeed, yeah. Which uh, I, I sort of smiled wryly at. Uh, obviously, she's enjoyed great success over here. Long may that continue. Uh, I expect it too. Uh, so we move on to the seventh album, but first since 1997 from Faith No More. Wow. Uh, Sol Invictus. Uh, and this, actually, in some ways, is a bit like the Blur album of last podcast in the fact that it was a case where the other band members kind of went off and basically made a record yeah. <laughs> and then came to the singing Mike Patton and kind of went, hey, we'll listen to some stuff we've been writing. And they kind of went, oh, that sounds quite good. Yeah, all right, let's do it. Uh, so they brought it on. Um, for me, it's a welcome return for a band who love them or hate them, like the Prodigy on podcast <laughs> a couple of things ago, yeah. are a band that have a distinct and original sound that's very much unique to them, you know. Song comes on and, it, and you you kind of know it's Faith No More. Yeah, it's something about the kind of the way they um, use the kind of bass bass drums and Mike Patton's voice that you go, oh yeah, this is Faith No More. And it starts really well. So you've got Sol Invictus itself, which is a kind of just two and a half minute song, which has gentle short piano and drums that kind of just feels building up to something. It doesn't quite get there, but what it's building up to is the song Superhero, uh, which is you know a big shouty riffy affair and arguably in my opinion the best track on the album yeah uh, great track in in the classic Faith and More rock kind of thing <laughs> followed by one of their good poppy songs as well Sunny Side Up which yeah, I really enjoyed which is really funny yeah, you know? yeah. And, it's, and as my, Mr Patton says it's not the only way to fry an egg yes indeed uh, and it's fun after that the, the album then, then has a period where it gets a bit kind of meh for me yeah. um, and it's perfectly fine it's okay uh, but it's just not really overly engaging um, and bizarrely it takes the song Motherfucker yeah. to bring us back in uh, uh, this is just a great track it's totally stupid yeah totally stupid yeah but it's really really fun and definitely one for the kids on those long car journeys <laughs> uh, and then the last two tracks of the album as well because well you got Matador which is a kind of building monster of a track which is the longest track on the album about six minutes uh, then you go from there to F From the Dead, which is a nice, gentle, acoustic-based kind of outro track, which I think is quite nice. So, a welcome return. Not brilliant, but, you know, dare I say it, solid. It's solid. It is a solid album. Um, 
I, I, I'd throw in Separation Anxiety as well, which I quite, I thought was a good track too. That, that's from that middle where it does yeah. go a little bit middling. But um, no, no, it, it, it's, it's as you say, it's you know what you're going, you're going to get with a Faith No More album. I'd be curious to, to know what you know what the fan base thinks of this, having been away for so long yeah. and come back with something that that, that could, could, sounds like it could have dropped out of the 1990s. And like with the Blur album last podcast, I mean that in a good way, in, yeah. with all due respect. Um, it's, it's it's an enjoyable Faith No More album. It, that's it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, as we said, since we're not hanging around today, uh, should more, you... I'm oh, sorry. I should say one more thing. Yeah. Because uh, I, I feel like I'm going to give it a bit, a bit of justice despite the heat. Um, yeah, improves on a second or third lesson. Yeah. That's it, though. Speaking of albums that don't, uh, <laughs> for me at least, uh, but I'm going to ask your opinion first, please. Yeah, yeah go Shoshu on. Shoshu and Deja Vu. Yeah. <laughs> this is an this is this is an interesting one to 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 review because um obviously the the Giorgio Moroder sound is all pervasive and and everywhere in in modern dance music and and has been i guess since the 70s it's it's just it's just always been there it's just, it's a oh god there is a solid base from which to build quite literally yeah electronic dance music um, and there is this album in particular has obviously been released on the back of a very successful uh, collaboration with Daft Punk and I understand he's also been out on the road since then and has been yeah. DJing to, to very large crowds uh, and so on so so he's clearly clearly having a second third or even fourth wind um, in, later on in his career which is which is which is fine I don't have a problem with that um my issue, I suppose, with this album is it, it almost cheapens the brand a little bit. You know? Um, yeah, I do know. The collaborations... I mean, there are some curious collaborations on here. I'm not saying that, um, that, they, that they don't work. Uh, one or two of them clearly don't. I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, but, but most of the collaborations on here do seem to work. But it, it just doesn't offer anything really spectacular. Um... And I guess when you've released one of the most famous records with Donna Summer ever, everything from there down, is going to be down here. Um, particularly when it comes to famous collaborations. Absolutely. Um, what does work right on this album, ironically, is the stuff that's just him. Yeah, and the, 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 the opening and closing track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, And even the, 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 the sillyly titled 74 is the new 24. Yeah. Title aside, it's actually a really good track. <laughs> you know, a really good piece of EDM that wouldn't have been misplaced on a on a on a, a decent EDM album you know um, yeah I agree I could have done with more of that and less more of, of that and collaborations less of, less of the collaborations I mean Kylie Minogue one sort of okay um, and I think that the, the, the big crime here is is, is Britney Spears and the uh, I it mean, is, when I first heard the cover of Tom's Dine I thought oh okay yeah because because actually that's kind of curious I'm kind of interested to hear what what Moroder and would have done with Tom's Diner, and then I thought to myself after two, three lessons, why did I care what he did with Tom's Diner? That's awful. I uh, see. Strange, strangely, I actually think that's one of the, the, the better tracks on the album, and that's what really worried me. I disagree. Yeah. When I kind of thought, okay, the trouble with this record is, I think Britney doing Tom's Diner is one of the highlights of this record. Yeah. That sums up my opinion of the record, really. Yeah. Okay. 
What did you think? Um, well, obviously, we've got different tracks, but a similar, similar kind kind of thing. Uh, but except I didn't think most of the, the collaborations did work particularly because they just sounded too much like, you know, the artists now. It didn't. It didn't sound like with George the production team. Yeah, it didn't sound yeah. like George and Rojo doing something and them coming in and singing singing the, singing the track. Yeah. It just sounded like when they see a thing. You could imagine that being on the Sierra album, yeah. as as is, as is Kylie Kylie particularly. Although for me, the, the Kylie one wasn't too wasn't too bad because no, no, actually okay. that was actually better than half the stuff on her last album actually, mm. um, which yeah. <laughs> isn't so yeah, isn't isn't, that, isn't so much. Yeah. Um, at its worst. And I actually, considering how much I liked her album, I think the Charlie XX song "Diamonds" is one of the worst tracks on the album. And this, there's a few other tracks that fit into this category. It sounds just like a cruise ship DJ with a Bon Tempe organ. <laughs> you know, it's backing track and some, <laughs> someone doing some. Tell up for us. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> and so, it's just yeah. So yeah, this is an album. As an album, I certainly I, uh, will not be rushing to re- listen to. I, I mean, I, I was I was a little bit. Um, um, I seem to remember my review of the Charlie X XCX album was a little bit it, good and bad. Um, I didn't mind that track because <laughs> I actually thought you got a bit of Marauder at the beginning. Yeah, more so than perhaps on some of the other duets. Whereas. I agree completely. Some of the other duets, it was very... Keep calling duets, of course not duets. But some of the other collaborations, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It could have just been a track off the Kylie album with her team sort of noodling behind, you know. Um, so you lost some of the Marauder. Um, so, Curious curious record. Um, new fan fans of his work via Daft Punk will probably like it. Old school fans yeah. will probably buy it for sake of completion. Not sure what a, what camp I'd fall into, if any. Yeah, let's not get camp. No, there's enough of that. <laughs> Moving on to Kendrick Lamar to Pimper Butterfly and uh, our first foray into uh, rap hip hop in quite a while, is, um, yeah. which is one of the main reasons we started to do this one because we have been overlooking the genre a bit of late. Yeah, what have we been doing? Uh, I, I have, have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we decided to pick this one up simply because, frankly, the reviews it's been get, getting have been quite astonishing. Uh, it's already guaranteed, I think, to be in the top three of most uh, critics. Good lord, I've just seen the Metacritic score. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's going to be the highest one we've seen. Yeah, for those wanting to know, the Metacritic score currently stands at ninety-six, and that's off about kind of like fifty reviews. That is, that is phenomenal. So this is right. a re- this is a record that's generating a lot of critic love. Yeah. So, does it generate any critic love in this room? Well, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> this is a genuinely fascinating record, mm. I think. Agreed. Um, first off, it's probably as musically exhilarating and complex as anything we've reviewed in a while. Yeah. And certainly more so than your average mainstream pop record, rap record, whatever these days. Uses kind of seventies jazz soul as kind of building blocks. So there's lots of piano and brass. Um, I looked it up, and apparently the piano's from uh, Robert Glasper and and the saxophonist uh, Kamasi Washington are among those who are providing the kind of jazz aspects of it. Yeah. And they're both recognised jazz uh, artists. And on top of that, you've got kind of hints of kind of like uh, Curtis Mayfield and 
Prince, James Brown, of course, uh, who it does sample at one point, and even Todd Rundgren, uh, for sale, being a uh, very Todd Rundgren-esque uh, song musically. And it's all very beautifully constructed. Uh, and thankfully, he seems to spend as much time going into the arrangement of the kind of raps and guest vocals, which are also woven together in a very impressive manner. And highlights for that, the, the, the vocals from a singer called Bilal, whose uh, album a few years ago, All Airtight's Revenge, is actually well worth checking out, just as an aside, actually quite a good kind of soul record. Uh, and his voice has a lot of soul to the overall sound. It's a bloody long record. Um, and, you know, because of that, it does tend to verge on a bit kind of tiring as it, go, as it goes on. However, when it's good, it is very good, really, really interesting. Some good, good kind of uh, lyrical ideas going on about him kind of addressing what it's like to go from nothing to being a rap star and how you kind of cope with the kind of stress of all that and what's going on in the world. Um, some interesting uh, the album kind of starts off with a song that's very much uh, in your face given that it opens with a sample from Boris Gardner's uh, Every Nigger is a Star off the soundtrack of the film the same, na same name, 70s film so that kind of sets out your kind of N-word thing but then later on in the album on the song I which actually won a Grammy for an inner flash year because it came out as a single it kind of addresses the kind of whole use of the word and the kind of Ethiopian history of the word mm. negus mm. stuff, which I think is actually genuinely really fascinating. Yeah, very good. Outside of that, uh, highlights for me um, tracks these these walls. You know, the idea that these walls could speak, and it's a nice take on the sudden fame and how it's not all highs and everything. Great stuff. Uh, like track U, because that's a lovely jazz sound going on that with some big brass going on. And, um, as I said, for sale, which, like I said, just has a very much Todd-like vibe to it that I... Love Todd. Exactly. <laughs> you can see him everywhere. Some ping! Oh, and also on Hood Politics, which actually surprised... I was surprised to hear he was uh, um, sampling uh, Surf and Stevens. Ah. From his album a couple of years ago. So that was quite a, su a surprise that I wasn't expecting. Ah. I, um... I, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a very... It's a rewarding album the more you listen to it. And you, you've touched on some of the, sort of the, some of the more lyrical concepts that he's exploring. Um, you addressed, and it's quite timely actually. We're listening to this record in the back, in the, back the background of what's been happening in the states recently, uh, with the use of the Confederate flag and, yeah. and associated with violence and so on. And you've dropped the end bomb, and, and we've, you've talked about that, so I won't, I won't cover that again. But. Um, there's uh, the, the, the lyrical construction of this is I, I was fascinated by the sort of album within the album yeah in the middle well say in the middle you've got the first sort of two or three tracks then you've got the yeah, last as I say, it's not a short record two or three tracks but then but the, then from tracks four through to about 13 14 you've got you've got that um, that poem uh, that verse that he he recites and you get a little piece extra piece each time yeah um, the refrain is a, a I remember when you was compromised, and, and it's sort of you get an extra few lines every time he he, he reads that out, and uh, and of course that all comes together in the final track, where he actually reads out the whole verse yeah. as part of an interview. Yeah, that's kind of, that, but that's interesting because that, that that's quite a clever track. Yeah, because that's there's an interview with Tupac, and it's kind yeah. of, and it cuts in him kind of asking Tupac questions. Yeah, absolutely. And then using Tupac's 
know, it's quite, which and, is quite and funny. The, track's, the track is, of course, called Mortal Man. You know, yeah, um, and it, it intercuts with 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 Tupac and and and. and he puts another verse in there, another poem in there as well, which is, which is fantastic. Anyway, that's the last track, which is just fascinating in itself. Um, but yeah, it, there are some other concepts he, ta- he he sort of talks about. He talks about, you know, the glories of fame, the come down from fame. There's the track. Is it? Um, I think it, it's. Uh, is it these walls? No, it's not these walls. Sorry, apologies. Um, I think it's. It must be hood politics um where you get you get one version of the uh of him talking about being enclosed in the hotel room walls and it's sort of sort of late at night and he's buzzing and oh, then, he's like shaking in the mirror yeah in the mirror. and then you get the um the flip side uh which is clearly sort of the morning after completely in pieces disarranged the sort of the same almost the same lyrics but com- sounds like a completely different track because of the way in which they're expressed, I thought that was brilliant. Um, There's a Michael Jackson direction on the song. There is. Song. I can't remember which song it is. There's a reference to Billie Jean and um, yeah, Annie. Are you okay? Yeah, you know. And I think again, he's sort of saying, do you take him out? Do you take an artist down because of what goes on privately? What goes on publicly? Does that take away from their artistic credibility? Do you, are you still a fan of Michael Jackson? Basically, yeah. Um, so again. Very, very, very interesting. So, as I say, an album that rewards on a piece of listen. Um, and uh, glad we reviewed the rap album. It's probably my favourite rap album of the year. It's the only one we listen to. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon it's a <laughs> shoe in for our <laughs> rap album of the year so far. So far, but it's a, it's a really, really good record. Uh, you know, potential future classic, no doubt. The reviewers <laughs> certainly think so. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and I was going to shoehorn in a Pet Shop Boys reference. Can I still Yeah, no, go for it. your Todd reference in. I think it's the track, I think it's you. I mean, we talk about these competing styles. You've got These Walls, which immediately precedes it, which is very very much a Prince record. Yes, yes, I, yeah, I wrote that down, actually. And, and, and there's, there's behind, the, behind the backing track to you, which is the track that almost immediately follows, sounds like it's been lifted straight from one of those mid-80s Pet Shop Boys records. Which sort of backs up that that thing that Neil Tennant said that I always come back to is that the most exciting electronic music is actually happening in rap. So there you go. Ah, shut up now! I've had my ping. Wow. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Neil. As, as, as third <laughs> albums abound, so that was apparently what was Kendrick's third album. Um, we move on to the third album from Florence and Machine. Oh. How big? How blue? How beautiful? beautiful. Uh, as produced by Marcus Dravs, mm. who's produced in Arcade Fire, Coldplay, and Bjork. Yep. My note tells me. So, <laughs> well, that Florence. Track, that track, again, is timely. I was, I was listening to that track yesterday, looking at the sky. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, awesome. Topical. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the, more upbeat than the previous two albums, isn't it? It, it is. Well, is it? Uh, well, the lyrically, album's lyrically. Quite, quite upbeat I think lyrically because lungs and yeah. I mean title of the one were a bit kind of dour lyrically well, I, I think I think <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean lungs certainly had its doubt more dour moments and certainly the, the intervening album came at quite a dark period I think for, for, yeah. for flow um, but this album is clearly you know the, the, the calm after after the storm um, there's a, a great Sense, I guess a bit like the Casey album. There's a great sense of homecoming and return through this album as well. You know about being 
being out there, being someone that's been damaged or wrecked by fame, um, by wrecked by personal experience, heartbreak, mm. but has actually now come back and has been found. I mean, there's a few. I mean, certainly the last few tracks, uh, the track like "Sent You," the patron saint of failure, and 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 songs like "Mother." There's that that great sense of of coming coming back to something that was lost and something something at home. Um, and there's various other references throughout the album to to some publicised experiences, but obviously other experiences as well. Um, I, 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 it doesn't have again a bit like the Casey album. It doesn't have that that sort of great immediate anthem or catch of catch of I keep calling catchability popability sort of. But there are some. I mean, Ship to Wreck hasn't worn you down for its constant airplay. <laughs> no, obviously not. Obviously, that's the one that grabs you at the start. Yeah, but but there are one or two others. So you can see those sort of coming through. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I found I found this on the first listen a very listenable album, a very easy. Very, it's very. It's a very, I, I, very I, I, I wrote down to. nice, easy listen. Nice, was easy my listen. first thing I wrote down. I actually this found on repeated listenings. I started to get a little bit bored. In, you know, but you know, yeah, a bit too nice. Yeah, a bit. Too, but but it's fine. It's a Florence Machine album. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, I, I as you saying. say, it's produced from the producers of yeah. Coldplay. Coldplay. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's fine. Yeah, I, 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 I like, I like, I liked it. Um, and I can't really argue what you said. Really, it's a similar kind of thing. I mean, I, I like, like I said, I liked it. Some of it I liked very, very much. I, I liked, uh, I, I do like "Ship to Wreck." I think it's a good pop song. Third Eye, equally, I think, is a really, really good pop song. Um, I really like "Long and Lost," which is that kind of, has a lovely kind of Kate Bush esque kind of ballad kind of thing. And then I love her when she goes a bit Stevie Nicks, so kind of what kind of man and Delilah both have kind of yeah, always, Stevie yeah. Nicks kind of inflections and things going on, which a bit Stevie Nicks always works for me. Yeah, I hear the Mac are popular these days. Yeah, yeah. they should do some gigs. <laughs> <laughs> so, return of the Mac. Ret- sorry. Um, <clears throat> oh dear. <laughs> so, as the school holidays approach, let's finish off with summer camp. Bit. Look, I've even got a prop. Oh, I see that. Oh, have they signed that for you? Yeah. Oh, nice. She's put a lot of kisses. I know. What's her fella done? We're old friends. <laughs> so this is the third album from the husband and wife duo. Um, <laughs> and we liked their self-titled uh, second album very much. In fact, so much so it made number five in our end of year list Was for, it that high? for uh, 2013. It's an album I still listen to. Yeah, it's a yeah. fine pop yeah. stroke dance. Yeah dance pop record yeah. um, this album uh, isn't uh, it very much goes back more lo-fi uh, and maybe due to their decision to produce this one themselves um, I think I've got a quote in here from what uh, you have. your man said I'm just reading it <laughs> what did he say? he says yeah let me do a quote yeah. uh, Jeremy Wormsley of the band Summer Camp says any s- Self-producing. No, sorry, let me start again. I can't even. It's the pressure. Yeah. Can't even do a quote. Self-produced. I'm not that, well, obviously, this is where your strength lies in, in the podcast. <clears throat> Self-producing means you get the most direct expression of what you're trying to do. It's not filtered through anyone else. I feel like this album is the purest expression of what we're like since the Young EP. Yeah, so as I said, it's definitely more of a lo-fi thing. So it goes back to the distorted guitar sound that was definitely more present on the, the debut album. Yeah, absolutely. Um, album I liked a, a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, 
And, I, and what I like about the record is I certainly like the fact that they haven't just decided to churn out the same album again. Yeah. And, and that was, funny enough, that was one of the things I actually liked about the last album too, the fact that it was different. All three albums have been different in their own way and there has been a... The sound has definitely developed and progressed in different ways, although this does kind of hark more to the debut album than uh, the last last one, which was definitely more polished. Yes. Um, intentionally so, admittedly. Um, it's a good album. Oh, hello. I seem to be getting... I'm hearing myself speaking in microphones. Very strange. Uh, obviously, it won't be because of the microphone there. It's a good album. Uh, and on further listens it may become a very good album but my feeling is in the moment that it's not as good as either of the two previous records which is not to say that it's bad like I say I adore the first three tracks Bad Love uh, I think it's a cracking track Yeah. Uh, followed by You're Gone and Sleepwalking lots of distorted guitar going on really really love it and then later on there's also adore Runaway and Angela which are paired together uh, as the album goes on the rest of the album doesn't grab me as much but I kind of like, but I do like, don't dislike it. Um, and it still flows quite nicely. Um, some good lyrics in the album, particularly on Run, Run Away. Uh, I liked the bit where it says, where is it? It's so easy to blame other people, it's so easy to hate on where you're from. But the truth is, we're a product of nothing, just a collection of the things we've done, which I quite liked. Um, so. Due to brevity and trying to get through this, it's very, very warm, <laughs> very here. warm in here. Very, very warm in here. I apologise to my camp. I could have done this a bit better. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a, a good album, not a great album. Um, I'm inclined to agree. Um, for sake of brevity, no, I have something else to say. Um, I, I actually think, as with the previous album, there's some very, some very clever lyrical content in in in, in summer camp records. There are quite a few interesting little hooks that always grab me in that sort of in that that way that classic pop music should and does. Um, I think it's in the last track, "Keep Up," which is yeah, it's sort of that kind of very much you know, be yourself, love who you are thing that they certainly had running through the last album as well. Yes. So that, that I mean, for me, that was one of the, my favourite moments as well. And uh, I also mentioned "Drive Past My House" only because I think. I think we've heard that before. I think they've actually done that live a few times. Possibly, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, again, very much harks back to the first album in terms of its style. You've mentioned all the other good tracks, <laughs> so I'll leave it there. Um, but, again, a good album. I think Repeated Listen does reward. First time I listened to it, I, I, I felt a little bit flat, obviously. I was I'm quite a big fan of the second album. Yeah, it's a, it's a great record. Um, so, but, but, it, but it's certainly a grower. Again, I'm, I just ha- I just hope that, that that they will sort of hit, hit it big at some at some stage. Um, this kind of referencing '80s, a very sort of particular genre of '80s pop music built around a musical imagining of the Breakfast Club. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, or even Ferris Bueller's Um it, it, it's 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 it could be seen as quite niche. I can imagine though that that it's it's a sound that's that that could be extremely popular. You heard it here, radio. That's exhausting to say. <laughs> well, actually, maybe we should be appealing to a Zane Zane Lowe to stick it on Apple Music or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
because um, it's it's just got it's got great soundtrack potential. Well, they did one of those. I know they? they did one of those. <laughs> Their last in between albums, they've done a sound, but this has got it's just got great soundtrack potential. Yes, um, you know, I'm sure our three listeners will be able to pick them up yeah, some work. Yeah, if you could do something about that, please, that would be grand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm building. Yeah, we were going to say what our favourite albums of the year were. So oh no, we should we? do. <laughs> I don't know. I actually didn't make a list. I forgot. Oh, right, okay. um, but I but I do kind of I do kind of know just off the top of my head. Oh, I can tell you. Not in any particular order. Go on, no, go on. Okay, off the top of my head, uh, the three three that are sticking in my head at the moment it's are got a halfway point, aren't we? Yeah, Susan Sunfall. Yes. Uh, Twelve love songs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, BC Camplight. Uh, I can't remember what the title of the album is. All of a sudden, something to do with the North. Uh, How to die in the North. Yeah, oh, I really like that. Yeah. And given that we saw her just the other week, uh, Natalie Press. Oh, nice. Natalie Press. Uh, probably my, my the three that are just ahead of everything else at the moment there are a few and just underneath that are also very good but those are leading the pack I hope to bump Natalie at my list uh, I think I will um, for me I'd add to that Bell and Sebastian um, Wartime Girls, Dancing Girls in Peacetime Want to Dance <laughs> um, I'm still listening to Blank Mass uh, Blank Dumb Mass, Flesh Blank Mass album was good yeah, Blank Mass album. yeah. and uh, bubbling just under all of that um Henri mentions the Blur album. It's, it's an easy one to plump for, but yeah, it's a good record. Yeah. Okay, so that's your lot. Except for coming up in podcast seven, we will have new albums from Jason Isbell, Tame Impala, Chemical Brothers, Joy Williams, Veruca Salt, and Ashley Monroe. It will be so, a pleasure. Soon, a month's time, and hopefully, it'll be cooler. I hope so. Ish.